Good day, everyone. This is Patrick Riley, Spider P.I. This podcast is uh, it's about spies, P.I.s, fact and fantasy, war stories, some of it real. Sometimes it's tips about information that you need to know for your personal security, why you need a private investigator and so forth. Some of it's entertainment. The P.I. and uh, spy genre has been very popular forever. It goes back to Humphrey Bogart, Mike Hammer, Mickey Spillane, Harper, Marlowe, the fantasy vigilante types like, like Batman, Green Arrow, Spider-Man. And, of course, we have James Bond and Harry Palmer of the Ipcrest File, Magnum P.I., the Rockford Files. It goes on and on and on. I'm not sure why there's such an attraction. Maybe it's the action. Maybe it's because we like to see the good guys win and the bad guys get what's coming to them, preferably laughing all the way, kind of like Hannibal in the A-Team. Some of the actual intelligence business, uh, the CIA, Army Intelligence, Military Intelligence of all forms, the FBI, NSA, career people, uh, some have gone out and gone private. Chances are most of them were fans of fiction as well, because an awful lot of the fact of the PI business comes from fiction, and much of the fiction comes from fact. Hollywood, for example, will come up with some sort of an off-the-wall idea. Day of the Condor, Robert Redford. What the Redford character would do is read fiction and come up with plausible ideas for real-world intelligence. Or as real as espionage ever gets. It's a puzzle wrapped in a riddle, wrapped in an enigma. Thank you, Winston Churchill. It's onion skins, layer after layer. Fact and fantasy. They seem to come together in the intelligence business. The spy business, like show business, is, is illusion. It's all well-rehearsed, well-rehearsed illusion. The cameras look like a fountain pen, which then explode. Guns and baby carriages, umbrellas with a needle in the tip loaded with ricin. Looks harmless. It's deadly. And there's no idea too preposterous. During the uh, trauma that we had with Cuba during the 60s, John Kennedy and the CIA came up with some quite remarkable ideas about how to get rid of Fidel Castro. One idea was to get a hold of his wetsuit and to lace the inside of the wetsuit with some sort of a chemical to remove the hair from his chest, which apparently is not a popular thing to have happened to a leader in Cuba at that time. Did not work, neither did the exploding seashells, but there were ideas that basically came out of thinking outside of the box, which is what Hollywood and the intelligence business are really all about. So I was in the uh, counterintelligence business during the 60s. During our training at Fort Holliburg, discovered that a lot of the James Bond stuff was actually real. Cameras and the pens and the lock picking, uh, everything, everything, except for the car with the ejector seat. You know, we had a carpool with a third-hand Mercedes and gas chits, and we had to wash it. But the spy business and uh, the movie business are really quite similar in lots of ways. What's over in two hours in the movies, of course, took months of, of training and planning and repetition, normal everyday existence, and you eat, you sleep, you make love, you pay bills, you go and train. Not very exciting stuff. For both in the movie and in some real intelligence operation, think of all the thought that has to go in the writing, the rehearsing, the setting up the camera angles to make a movie. It takes sometimes years. Of course, in the movie, you can edit out the bad parts. In the real-life spy business or PI business, you can't really do that. Now, you can always cover your butt by shifting a few things around in the written report. And matter of fact, sometimes you're actually told to do that. But that's a long story. So I am a licensed private investigator, have been for over 30 years in ex-Army counterintelligence. I'm also a professional actor, which is no big deal. I mean, a private investigator is basically another job an actor can get. 
You don't have to be famous to be an actor. It's like 99% of us. We work where and when we can. We get a couple of bucks where we can make it. Infomercials, commercials, audiobooks, big parts in low-budget films that go directly to all-night cable in Thailand, or extras and features. Oh, look, that was me. I got about five seconds on camera in that one. In any event, when I watch movies, P.I. spy movies, it's from the viewpoint of an investigator and an actor in Denzel Washington. I have to say, you are brilliant. Equalizer 2. A sequel that's actually, I believe, better than the first. Now, in the first Equalizer, you'll recall the opening shot says very much about Robert McCall, ex-CIA from the TV series, of course, with Edward Woodward, who's since passed. His mission is redeeming his past, helping people who cannot help themselves. Now, Denzel Washington's McCall, camera pans through the inside of his house. Beds all made, dark cupboards without a blemish or ripple, wood floors, walls spotless, undecorated, hardbound books at the shelf, neat to perfection, spartan, monk-like. We see the man times everything with a stopwatch, washing dishes, getting dressed, perfect timing, very zen. He neatly wraps a single tea bag in paper, unfolds it in his morning visit to a small restaurant, then unfolds the tea bag with precision and places it in his cup. Okay, so he's anal retentive. In the first Equalizer, McCall develops a relationship with a young girl who'd been forced into prostitution by the Russian mob, those Russians again. Young lady wants to be a singer-songwriter. Robert is reading The Old Man in the Sea, reading a hundred books, most of which had been read by his wife, whom is now deceased and whom he misses dearly, which is beautifully brought out, by the way, in the scene between the girl and Robert, when, where she says, I get a lot of widowers, and you can tell by the look in their eye, not sad exactly, just kind of lost. It's a mist in the eye of Robert, shots of the eye, showing who he is, observing everything around him, always with a precise plan of action. Reminds me of Mad Dog Mattis, our defense secretary. Says he meets somebody... He's always cordial while figuring out the best way to kill them. In the scene where uh, McCall takes out the mob in the office with a gun, extreme fighting technique, Rob Maga, not typical everyday sport karate, nasty stuff. Corkscrew, knife. The shot in the movie starts out with the same eye, planning each move in advance, rehearsing the sequence like an actor looking for his props. Or a SWAT team or special ops team rehearsing some sort of a raid in a mock-up timing precision. Equalizer 2 doesn't miss a beat with what made one work. McCall still times everything, still zen precise, the violence still ruthless, grotesque, and bloody. But everybody who ends up in a grotesque and bloody mess, I mean, pretty much deserve what they got. Story builds up a lot of his feelings for his lost wife, his history with special operations, uh, kind of an interesting background for the characters. Always fun to make fictional characters more believable by adding detail. Some of the history of their life, Batman, Superman... You know, the movies that show how they got to be the way they were. What was their motivation? The anger. They lost their parents. Betrayal by someone. A motive for going vigilante. Sometimes it's because of the failure of the court system. The innocent going to prison. The guilty are walking the streets. DAs out there hungry for a bust for their own political careers. Corrupt cops. Incompetence. Corrupt politically motivated judges. And favoritism. Racism. Looking for an easy notch on the gun belt. All kinds of reasons to be angry with the so-called justice system. So Equalizer 2 is, is very violent. 
but also warm several cockles, whatever a cockle is, with some of the wonderful things he does for other people, selflessly, anonymously. Then comes the final battle. There's always a final battle with great action, which is you know, very cool. But the following five minutes after the battle, it kind of wraps up a few loose ends. If it doesn't warm your cockles, you might be cockleless. It's warm and fuzzy as a bunny and twice as delicious. And there's a nice message about all of us understanding who we are and you know what we're meant to do with our lives. Because if we know who we are, then we know what we should be doing. Makes things a little easier. We have the talents, the resources, the desire. Then just be. Very cool. Very zen. So if you like the Equalizer 1, I think you'll love too. In Denzel, I love whatever you do. If you got a part for me in your next movie, I could play a dead guy. Patrick Riley, Spider-PI. Patrick at SpiderPI.com. Happy hunting, people.